the book of Numbers, chapter number 13. <clears throat> Numbers, chapter number 13, if you have a copy of the Word of God and want to turn there, it's where my heart is for uh, the service this morning. Numbers chapter 13, I want to read some verses in this chapter and then I want to uh, read on into chapter number 14 and to try to give you what's on our heart. The service this morning, desire your prayers that the Lord would help us and uh, you'd pray for us this morning. Numbers 13, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Most all of us know The story that's taken place here, and I don't feel like I need to begin in verse number 1 and read. We know that these spies, 12 of them, are being sent by Moses to spy out the land of Canaan to bring again the report of the land that God has promised them that they can inherit. I want to pick up in verse number 25, and I just want you to remember as I read these verses, that they are bringing a report of a land that has already been promised to them. That God has told them and covenanted with them that they will inherit this land. Verse 25 says, And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, and all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched on the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, Or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They said one to another, Let us make a captain 
and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the congregation, before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested this morning if God would help me for just a few minutes and you'd pray for me about this report that these spies brought back from the land of Canaan. And I'm interested in both sides. I'm interested in those that gave the report. And I'm interested in those that received the report. And I feel like there's a whole lot that can be said <clears throat> about both parties. And I understand that the majority of the time when this scripture is preached about, it's divided into two parties and we focus on the ten that brought up an evil report and the two that brought up a good report. But the reality is the people only heard what the people wanted to hear. And the reality is there was unbelief at work before they ever went to spy out the land of Canaan. And the reason that they went to spy out the land of Canaan, and it was mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour, that we ought to just let the Word of God comment on itself. And we are told, not in this scripture, but when Moses again rehearses this in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he says that they, the people, came to him and said, we will send men to spy out this land. And so this whole part, this whole happening began with the people and not with God. It was not God's idea to send these men to spy out the land of Canaan. But God allowed them to go and he allowed the people to have what they wanted. And a lot of times in the word of God and in our lives, God allows us to have what we think we want even though it's not his will for us to have those things. And here in the scripture we find that the people wanted to go and I don't understand why that they wanted to spy out the land. They already had the promise of God told them he brought them out of Egypt to bring them into the land of Canaan. Bringing them out of Egypt was not God's final part. Bringing them out of Egypt was not God's final destination.
destination. But he brought them out to bring them in. And if he brought them out, if he had no trouble exercising his power and authority to bring them out, he already told them, I'll drive the people out little by little and move you in. I made this covenant. I made this promise. Long before you ever got here, I made the covenant with Abraham a long time ago that of him would come a great nation and they would dwell in this land. But they would not take God at his word. And the reason they didn't take God at his word is God didn't do it like they thought he ought to. The Bible's very specific to us about the things the Lord did. That he brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and he led them the roundabout way in the wilderness. He did not take them the shortest distance. Many of them murmured and complained about why God wasn't taking them the quickest way into the land of Canaan. But what they didn't understand is to go the quickest way. It's in the scripture. They had to pass through the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines were men of war. And the children of Israel had never seen war. And God knew their heart would faint within them if they had to face the Philistines. And so he led them around them. God was working all the time. God had the plan to bring them in. And they murmured and complained the whole way. They murmured about not having anything to drink. They murmured about not having anything to eat. They murmured about this. They murmured against the man of God. They got down to the Red Sea and said, Now look what you've done. You have led us. It wasn't anybody else's fault but Moses. You've led us out here to die. The Pharaoh's behind us. The Red Sea's before us. And we'll never make it out of this. We should have stayed in Egypt. It's a shame, but it is a reality of how many times in the Word of God it was read to us in Sunday school and it's no coincidence that God's been doing my heart about this and we read it again this morning that they said, would God. They were wishing that God had left them in Egypt where they were bondmen under hard bondage by reason of their taskmasters under a Pharaoh that did not care about them and did not care about their God and they said we wish that we had stayed there maybe it would be better now they've already left Egypt God's judgment has fallen on Egypt and they know that and for their sakes the hand of God fell on Egypt and they said we're in such bad shape it'd be better for us to go back there And they said, let's get another man besides Moses that will lead us back to Egypt. And we're talking about some discouraged folks. But the reason that they're so discouraged is because these people that they had great trust in brought back an evil report of the land of Canaan. Now, if you read the scripture, I'm just going to try to take my time and preach this morning what's on my heart. If you read the scripture in verse number 2 and in verse number 3, it tells us who these 12 men were. It tells us that they were rulers among the tribes and they were heads of the children of Israel. So what that means is these men had great influence on the people of God. And these men were expected to bring back Moses charged them. (coughs) And he said, your priority is this. Go spy out the land of Canaan. See the land. 
what it is, the people, what the land is they dwell in. He said, and bring back the fruit of the land. And this is what Moses charged them. And I'm just preaching how God's dealt with my heart about it. He said in verse number 20, and be ye of good courage. I don't know how much Moses knew about what was getting ready to happen in the land of Canaan. But whether Moses knew it or not, God was already working through the words of the man of God to prepare them for what they were fixing to encounter. There were going to be giants. There were going to be great cities. But Moses said, don't let that hinder you. Don't let the difficulties hinder you. Don't focus on that. Don't discourage the people. Don't bring back a bad report. Remember, this is God's land and your land and God has promised her to give it to you. That's what Moses said before they left. God was working. How many times in our life, now I'm preaching first of all those that gave a report. And I wonder how many people we're affecting in our life about how we're reporting about the things of God. About how we're reporting about the work of God in our life. I wonder how much, and I'm saying we because I'm preaching myself as much as anybody else this morning. I want you to know. But I wonder how many days we live by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confided in His great love. I wonder how many times we live the verse, why should I then care though the tempest may blow if Jesus walks close by my side. I wonder how many times we're the Peter that's willing to get out of the boat and put our faith in God and walk on the water. I wonder how many times were the rest of them that said don't get out of the boat. You'll never make it. It's not recorded in the scripture. But I know what kind of men they were because I'm the same kind of man. I'm made of the same flesh and the same blood. And I'd have probably been one of the ones that said, Peter, are you crazy? You can't walk on the water. You can't do this. You'll drown and you'll die. I wonder how we're reporting about God this morning. Now they already—they didn't need this. They didn't need this time. They didn't need to go to Canaan to spite. They just need to go possess it. That's what God said to do. But they thought that maybe this would encourage the people. That maybe it would stir the morale of the people to, to go and to see what God had, had given to them, what this land was, and bring back good word. And, and maybe it would encourage the people to go on a little farther. And these men being heads of the people of God should have known what their word. They did know what their words. Now I'm not trying to add anything to the Bible. But, but I'm just pondering in my heart and the Lord's been dealing my heart. They were, they were together for 40 days. And they all saw the same thing. All 12 of them saw the same thing. And yet... The percentage, and I mean, it gets down to, I'm just going to make it real simple. More than 80% brought back an evil report. And less than 20 gave a good report. 10 said it's impossible. Two said it is possible. It's amazing to me how God puts men 
in the right place at the right time. If you'll read the scripture as we read this morning, these men are not even done yet with their report and Caleb speaks up. He doesn't want their report to go any further. He already sees what it's doing. The people of God, he says, hey, let's just get up and go for we are well able to possess it. He said if they hear this any longer, if they hear this mess anymore, they're going to go back to Egypt and Caleb tried his best by the leadership of God to sniff it out and to stir the people and cause them to go on. But I wonder if we're a Caleb or if we're a one of the ten. I wonder if the way we live our life in front of our children. You see, it's not. This, this is what the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart. And I'm just preaching this morning. I know it's Mother's Day and this ain't what the world would say is a Mother's Day message, but I'm preaching what God said for me to preach. But what the Lord spoke, what the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart is this. It's not what they reported. It's how they reported. They all saw the same thing. Caleb and Joshua never denied that there were giants in the land. They never denied that the cities were walled. They never denied there would be a fight. But if you'll notice, the ten never said one thing about God. God was not in their equation at all. They said giants, giants, giants. That's all they majored on were the giants. Caleb and Joshua didn't major on the giants. They majored on God. They said, yes, there are giants. But our God is well able to overcome them. I wonder in our lives, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have giants. And the reality is that Canaan's not a type of heaven. And it's been preached that way, misrepresentation and wrong. It's a type of the victorious Christian life, of living in the will of God. And there are going to be giants, and there are going to be walled cities, and there are going to be obstacles overcome. But I wonder if we major on the giants or if we major on God. We live our life before our children. I wonder if they see and hear more about the giants than they do about God. It's amazing all the things that they overlooked. I wonder what the conversation was between the twelve coming back to the children of Israel. In just reading through the Word of God, Josh and Caleb are bold enough throughout the Word of God, I'm sure that those ten reared up their head and Josh and Caleb probably said, now listen, when we get back to the camp, don't you say anything about the giants before you tell them about God. He said it's okay to tell them about the giants, but you better make sure that you remember the God that can overcome the giants. But them ten already had it made up in their mind. They was going to tell them about the giants, and they was going to leave God out. They were going to overlook the promise of God. They were going to overlook the provision of God. They were going to overlook the power of God. They were going to overlook what God had already done. They were going to overlook God's miraculous deliverance from Egypt. They were going to overlook God's part of the Red Sea. They were going to overlook all of that. And they were going to go straight to probability and say we cannot overcome them. Oh me. I mean, I always heard the old preacher say there ain't but two things to say to a message, amen or oh me, and I say oh me this morning. 
How many times do we dwell and major on, I'm not talking, there's nothing wrong. I want to clarify here. There's nothing wrong with sharing your burden. There's nothing wrong with sharing your trouble. There's nothing wrong with asking people to pray. That's not what I'm preaching about or talking about at all. But it's when all we dwell on is how bad we've got it, how hard the, the way is, how big the giants are, how high the walls are. Never give a second thought of how great our God is. And so they come back and they, you got to remember, they're giving an evil, the Bible said they gave an evil, verse 32, that's the way the Lord classified it. He said they brought up an evil report of a good land. I wonder how many of us are giving an evil report in this day. I heard Brother Terry Pace preach probably one of the best messages I've ever heard out of this scripture on bringing back the fruit. And he said many people, have, that, that's what these ten did. They, brought, they were part of the hands that carried back the fruit. From, they even said, this is the fruit of the land. We brought these grapes, took two of us and a barrel on a staff. We brought back the figs and the pomegranates and, and all these things. But they bruised the fruit. And they made it unpleasant for the people of God to hear what land that God had given to them. And we have to remember, God didn't put this in here by coincidence, but God told us who these men were and what kind of influence they had over these people. And I see the the people, Moses charges these men. He says, I want you to go. I want you to spy it out. And the Bible said after 40 days of searching, they returned. And I see the excitement and the anticipation in the faces, in the hearts, in the minds of the people of God when they look down the road and here comes these 12 men and they can't wait to hear about this land that God's given them. They expect a great tale. They expect glory. They expect just everything they could ever think of and more. But it ain't what they thought it would be. They expected rejoicing to go on in the camp. And maybe it started. Maybe I just thought about as we was reading through the scripture this morning. The Bible said they showed the fruit unto them. Verse 27. They said we came to the land. Surely it's a land that floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. I almost imagine it in my mind. The people began to rejoice. And they say hang on. There's more to the story. They say nevertheless. The people that dwell there are great. The cities are walled and very high. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And they're mightier than we and more number than we. And we are not able to overcome them and possess the land. And just like that, what once was rejoicing, just like that, what once was great expectation. Now all the people of God, the Bible said in verse number 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And so I feel like the Lord wanted me to say to us this morning as a caution that we better be careful about how we report. We better be careful about how we conduct ourselves and how we display ourselves and what we let our little ones hear. There are trouble. We all go through trouble, but we better be careful what we let our children hear. 
And there are times we come in the house of God and, and we all have experienced those times that we, and I don't know why I'm preaching this this morning. I just know it's what God dealt with my heart specifically about. We come in the house of God. It ain't as high as we thought it is. Maybe service is a little flat in the preaching. It's a little dead in the singing. I just don't have much to it. We ought never get in the car and say, well, what much at church today. Be real careful about how we report in front of our children. We have great, that, that's what God kept bringing my heart back to is these men had such great influence on these people. And as parents and older people in the church, doesn't matter about your age, your experience causes you to have great influence upon the young ones. It doesn't matter whether you're their parent or not. If we're the people that have been down the road with God and they look up to us, we better be careful how we report. We can be real with them. Paul was real with Timothy. He said in the last days these things are going to come. But he didn't end with that. That's the thing. Most people deal with all the negative and then they end with it and they never mention anything about God. And It hurts the children. It hurts those that look up. It hurts those that are being influenced by us. And Paul said, but, and all these things are coming, but continue thou in the things that I both learned and hast been assured of. He said, the God that saw these days coming has made preparation for these days and He'll bring you through it, Timothy. <coughs> and the reality is, our young people, our children, our grandchildren are going to see us go through things, but we better not major on just all the things. We better major on the God that can bring us all through the things. But then I really, really felt like the Lord wanted me, and I'm about done. I don't, I don't know if you've got anything out of it. I just know it's what I'm supposed to preach this morning. I really felt like the Lord wanted me to preach not only about how we're reporting, but about for us to be aware how we're affected by the way others report. First thing they did was lose their joy. That's what verse number one said. And this is how the Lord put on my heart three things and I'm done. They lost their joy. The Bible said the congregation lifted up their voice and wept and cried, and the people wept that night. They lost their joy. All the joy of being a child of God. All the joy of following God. All the joy of the land of Canaan. All the joy of their efforts and what God had done for them thus far. All of it was now gone. And they wept and they cried. Over a land that was already promised to them. Over a land that God already guaranteed they would go in. Over a land that God had already given them. And they're weeping and crying about it. Because someone else's report has caused them to lose their joy. We better be careful that we don't let the way others report rob us of the precious things in our life. They lost their joy. And we can be hard on them if we want to, but put yourself in their shoes and stand in the congregation when 12 of the most respected and looked up to and influential men of the whole congregation of the people come back in and more tell evil things than good things. And now how would you feel? And we're living in that day today. I'm afraid we live in a day where we major on all the wrong, all the bad, all the hard, and we never once tell about the goodness of God. It caused them to lose their joy. Then verses 2 and 3, they began to murmur. 
It's like was covered in Sunday school this morning. They murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The first thing they did was attack spiritual leadership. That's the way it always works. When you lose your joy, then you lose your vision. That's what they lost next. They could no longer. If you read verse 2 and verse 3, they said, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword and to give our wives and our children to pray? They could no longer see themselves in the land of Canaan. Up until this point, they were longing and looking for the day when they would set foot in that land that God had given to them. And now, because of this report, they lost their vision. Now all they could see is that they wished they were back in Egypt. Now all they could see is they wished they had somebody besides Moses and Aaron leading them. Now all they, all they could see is they wished that the Lord had not brought them out of Egypt and brought them to this place. Now all they can see, I mean if you read the scripture, it looks to me like they were saying, did we make a mistake following God to this place? I'm going to tell you the scripture is still true where there's no vision, the people perish. That word perish does not just simply mean to be destroyed, but it means to become slack, to become lax, to relax, to let loose, to not see the importance of. That's what these people were doing. They no longer wanted to go to Canaan. They couldn't see themselves in Canaan. It was out of their mind. They could never, it was the farthest thing. They just said, let's go back to Egypt. And they lost their willingness to obey. Verse 4 said, They said one to another, Let us make us a captain and let us return into Egypt. The Bible said Moses and Aaron fell on their face. Joshua and Caleb rent their clothes and they spake. So this man who just a minute ago had tried to cut it off, had tried to overcome it, and I'm not real deep and I don't understand a whole lot and others, other preachers could probably understand it and preach it much better than I. But there's a reason in verse number 16 that the Scripture records that Moses changed Joshua's name before he traveled into the land of Canaan. He changed it from Oshea, which means salvation, to Jehoshua, which means Jehovah or our God is our salvation. I think what Moses was doing, whether Moses even understood it or not, I don't know. He was just following the direction of God. And God was giving them reminders that He was their God and that He would deliver them. And now it's this Jehoshua. And it's this Caleb whose name means a lot of things. One of the names is dog. Another name is Harley. Caleb is speaking from his heart. And he's saying, we can go. They spake the land we passed through to search. It is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us. What they're saying is it was the Lord that brought us out, to, out of Egypt. It's the Lord that's brought us to here. And it's the Lord, if it's His will, will take us on in. They said, rebel not against the Lord. 
in losing their willingness and refusing to follow the man of God, they were rebelling against God. It was God's will and God's plan to bring them into this land under the direction of Moses. The Bible said, as they speak, you would think that these men, Joshua who is, I mean, I know all these men, if you study it, all these men have great influence, but Joshua is Moses' minister. You would think that he would have more influence. Caleb is of the tribe of Judah, the leading tribe. You would think he would have some influence. And they speak up and say, hey, don't let these people rob you of your joy, of your happiness, of your vision, of your willingness. Let's go. God will help us. And the Bible said in verse 10, all the congregation bade stone them with stones. They were so discouraged by the evil report that they wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb. The Bible said the Lord descended and He spoke to Moses and this is what He said. And I I wasn't going to read verse number 11 then the Lord got to deal with my heart. And this is what He said, How long will it be ere they believe Me? How long is it going to take What is it going to take? Now the Lord wasn't asking because He didn't know. But He's talking to Moses and says, How long will it be before this people, my people, believe Me? I brought them out of Egypt. I judged the gods of Egypt and Pharaoh and brought them out, the Scriptures say, in more than one place by a high and a mighty hand. I gave them deliverance at the Red Sea. I gave them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I gave them water out of the rock and and quail out of the south. And I gave them all these things. How long is it going to be before they just take me at my word? That's a sobering question to ask for us. This has relevance to us this morning in the month of May of 2023. How long is it going to be Till we believe God. How long is it going to be that we take Him at His word? That's what that song said we sung. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His word. What these people, there was already, there was already unbelief at work. And this was the final straw. What these people wanted was not to take God at His Word. They wanted to take the Word of the Twelve. And if these Twelve had come back with a good report, they would have gladly went in because they took the Twelve Word over the Word of God. And here they have took ten men's Word over the Word of God. God already said it's yours. God said, I designed it for you. I made a covenant with your father Abraham a long time ago that I would give it to you. Your father Joseph made a covenant and said, God will visit you and bring you out of this land, the land of Egypt. And he said, don't leave my bones here, but carry them with you to that land. God said, this is the land I've told you about for generations now. I have promised to give it to you. Why won't you believe me? And in this book right here, we we read about the children of Israel and we... Sometimes are highly critical, but the Lord, Brother Tim said this morning, the Lord's been working on me, spoke in my heart last night. Who am I to be highly critical of them? 
when this same book and the same God told me that He'd be with me always, even to the end of the world. That He'd never leave me and never forsake me. That all things work together for good to them that love God. Brother Pace sat in my living room and he didn't even know what he was saying to me. He said, I was reading the verse and I don't even remember where the other verse is, but he said, I was reading Romans 8, 28 and he said, the Lord spoke to me and how, he said, how great is it that we all as a collective body, we all as the people of God, we, that's what Paul said, we know. Thank God there's some things we know. But then Paul went on a little farther and he said, I know whom I have believed. And that, that he is faithful to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, whether anybody else knows or not, I know. And that's what Joshua and Caleb was saying. Whether the other ten know, we know that God is able to bring us in. But so often we want to be part of the we. And God wants us to be the I. Whether anybody else acknowledges it, we know, I know, in whom I have believed. Paul was in the storm and the word of God came and went back to the people and he said, Sirs, be of good cheer for I believe God. Do you believe God? That's a question we ask and we answer real quick. Oh yes! But it's a question you better search your soul about. You better let the Lord speak to Do you believe God? Are you facing a giant? Are you facing great walls? Are you facing innumerable obstacles? Are you facing insurmountable odds? Are you up against something that you know within yourself? You cannot take care of it. But have you been focusing on you and the problem instead of focusing on the God that brought you to this problem. If God, and it was no coincidence in the Sunday school, if God in His sovereign will, and we're so scared of that word, we don't have to be afraid. That just means He knows everything and has all power. He's in charge. He don't answer to anybody. He don't have to ask anybody's permission. In His sovereign will, He brought them to this place. And He was not going to abandon them now. It didn't matter how many giants were in the land. Their God was for them. And it was read this morning, If God be for us, who can be against us? Who freely gave us through His Son all things? He gave His Son to us. Shall He not with His Son give us all things? In other words, what Paul was saying is if he didn't spare Jesus, if he was willing to give everything he had in Christ to buy us back, to redeem our soul, to save us and justify us and to put us in the family of God, if he would do all that, why would we ever think he wouldn't take care of us along the way? And God said, I brought you out of Egypt. I destroyed Pharaoh behind you. He said, why would you doubt me now that I'll bring you into this land? One writer wrote a song, and I'm done this morning. I don't know. I really feel like somebody needs to hear it. I hope maybe it's helped you this morning. One writer said, there's no need to doubt Him now. If we didn't doubt Him back then and He made a way then, He'll make a way now. 
If we could just look back on our life and, and remember and rehearse, that's why God commanded Moses to write the book of Deuteronomy. It was a rehearsal. Moses started all the way back at the beginning and he said, I want to remind you of all the things that God did for you. And he said, I want you to know and it, for, for, you, for it to be my final witness to you that God won't fail you. That was some of Moses' last words. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus never fails. He can help you this morning. I'm not being, I've not preached critically this morning. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying sometimes we let our giants overtake our God in our mind. Sometimes we let our obstacles, our walled cities, our odds, they all, we get so wrapped up in all that, we leave God out of the equation. And it robs us or maybe we sit down and hear somebody else's tale and it robs us of our joy and our vision and our willingness. And we just kind of put on the brakes and say, I don't know so much about going on any farther. And God says, how long will it be till you believe me? While we stand all over the house this morning, I'm done. If God spoke to your heart...